Hello, hello, happy Monday, and welcome to Making Waves. I'm your host, Moana, a teenage girl with a lot to say and a lot more to learn. I want to start this episode by giving a trigger warning because we will be discussing eating disorders and relationships with food, so please consider that before continuing to listen. But today we're talking about ED Recover with the Recovered Project. This episode has been requested multiple times, but not something an expert in, which is why I brought in Paige and Claire. Welcome to the show. Thank you. They are going to give us a breakdown of who they are and what the Recovered Project does. My name is Paige, and I'm the social media strategist on the Recovered Project. So pretty much I do all things social media and just allowing our message to just get to everyone who needs some recovery encouragement. Um, I'm Claire. I'm the director of social media over at the Recovered Project. So I kind of oversee everything that gets put out on our social medias and take care of the like sort of coordination and education and just making the content that gets put out. Um, the Recover Project essentially is well, it's a 501c3 nonprofit, and its goal is to build communal support for those in eating disorder recovery. Um, we do a lot of different outreach projects like card making, care packages, and fundraising. And we also have the Instagram account um, where we post tips, resources, affirmations, and um, educational content as well. That's so awesome. And we're going to talk about at the end how you as a listener can get involved. But we always start with our current obsession, which is something about or in your life that you're currently loving. And this week, mine is doing things that I love to do as a kid. I think it's such a healing thing to do, especially as an older teenager, to go back to the things that you kind of rejected as a tween. And so I've been doing lots of chalk and swings and things like that. Um, Paige, what's yours? Mine has been spending time outside because the weather where I live has been awful and it's finally starting to get sunny. So I've just been absolutely loving all the nice weather and all the time outside. I love that. Yeah, that's really fun. Um, I've been blasting a lot of music in my headphones, like upbeat, happy music. And I've been drawing a lot recently. Um, doing those two things together has been really nice because um, I haven't really given myself the opportunity to do that recently so it's been cool to get back into it I love that music is my favorite thing I always have music playing and then our second thing is high tide so this is a book podcast youtuber ted talk whatever it is something motivational and self-help that you recommend to boost motivation and inspiration and this week mine is not your typical with Caitlin Nolan it is a podcast it's the podcast that got me to start my own and is very, very important to me. She is incredible, and I highly recommend you go listen. Ooh, mine is also a podcast. Mine is called Recovery with Danny, and it's a podcast by Danielle Van Kay, and she is a eating disorder recovery coach with her own personal experience, and she puts out such recovery-oriented content, and it's really motivational and really inspiring, and it's always something that I can like turn to when I'm like having my own struggles. Um, mine is a book. Um, it's called The Body Keeps the Score, which is a really good book about sort of the way that you can take back control over your body in like a various different number of ways. Um, there's definitely a trigger warning for it if you do read it. Um, it's a bit of a hard read, but it's definitely worth it for really anyone with mental health struggles. I love those. I will definitely be adding all of those to the episode notes so that you can go and check them out. But let's get into today's episode. 
And to start off, we want to understand eating disorders and explore the various different types. So I'm going to hand it over to Paige and Claire to tell us about them. Okay, so there is several different types of eating disorders. So anorexia and bulimia are kind of like the typical most well-known eating disorders, but there's also ones like OSFED and ARFID, and those are definitely a bit more missed with um, the discussions around eating disorders. So ARFID is avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, and it's where you tend to kind of like, it's been dubbed as the picky eating disorder when it's so much more than that, but it's kind of where you tend to avoid a lot of foods out of like fears of like throwing up or choking or even like some people just don't like the way that a texture of the food is. And then OSFED is an eating disorder where you don't really meet the criteria for anorexia or bulimia. So they kind of like they all have different criteria. So that's kind of one where it's like you still have an eating disorder, but they just don't really know what to label it as. Yeah, I would agree with Paige that those two are definitely usually excluded from the conversation in addition to binge eating disorder, um, which is, uh, I guess, best characterized by like consuming more food than comfortable with and being like unable to stop. Um, So those three eating disorders are usually not talked about as much as like anorexia and bulimia, but they're just as important and they affect people just as much as those two do. That's really interesting to me that they just get overlooked so often I know that before I started following you guys and your page like I had no idea about them until like obviously I was educated by y'all but it's very interesting to me that they just get totally overlooked and then what are some common misconceptions and stigmas surrounding eating disorders um everyone always thinks that it's like this teenage girl disorder where it's like if you have an eating disorder you are a teenage girl that just hates how you look when really it's definitely like a disorder where it's like a lot of guys have it people of all ages have it people of all races have it and it's not always something where it's like you hate how you look there's like so many different reasons that you could develop an eating disorder Yeah, I want to echo that, that it's usually not about how you look. Um, And kind of what Paige said is that it's not even just about teenage girls, but specifically people think of people with an eating disorder as cis white teenage girls, but it affects everyone, every race, every gender orientation, sexuality, etc. And it goes so much deeper than just not liking your body. And I feel like people usually don't want to learn that. They just want to be like, oh, you just want to be skinny. Yeah, I definitely, definitely see constantly that, like, teenage girl mentality of, like, that's who it always affects. And, like, all, of course, I'm sure most teenage girls listening can relate to getting comments related to that. And it's really disappointing to see that it's, like, hidden from so many people who need to be educated on it. And it's just centered around the teenage girls. So now I also want to hand it over to you to talk about personal experiences to give everyone kind of an idea of your knowledge and experience. Okay, so I have had an eating disorder for a pretty big chunk of my life and have been in recovery for two years. And I did something called all in, which pretty much means that you are kind of like just done with having an eating disorder and you just kind of get to this mentality where it's like you just want to do whatever it takes to recover and you kind of like 
just ditch all the diet culture rules and like when your eating disorder is like telling you not to do something like you do the exact opposite of it and that was honestly like the biggest motivator for recovery was just kind of realizing like I don't want to have an eating disorder my entire life and so I started my recovery account where I like showed my all-in journey and it just really helped me and I just want everyone to know that you can recover and that is possible. Yeah, I love that message page. Like, it really is possible. Um, I've been in recovery for three years, but I've struggled with my mental health, particularly my anxiety, like, my entire life. Um, At first, recovery was hard because I definitely felt like I was being forced into it, and I wasn't necessarily ready to give up my eating disorder. So for about a year, I was in, like, what we call, like, a pseudo-recovery, where you're, like, pretending to be recovered, but really you're still having those thoughts and those urges, and usually the behaviors like show up in different ways. But then one day my junior year of high school, I just decided that I didn't want to keep going back and forth between being sick or not. I wanted my family to trust me again. I wanted to be able to trust myself. So I admitted that I was ready to really recover and I just dove all in like Paige said. I love that you talked about like being able to trust yourself. That's something that I I talk about a lot on the podcast because that's being able to trust yourself is what builds your self-confidence. And I think that's like a huge part of it. When did the Recovered Project come in for you? So I didn't join the Recovered Project team until a few months ago, but I have like always kind of followed them because I had started my recovery account on Instagram around the time that they had started the Instagram for the Recovered Project. So it was like one of those things where it like always was a huge motivator for me. And like their page just helped me all the time. So then I applied to be part of the board for them. And I just got in and ever since then, it's been like the greatest experience ever. Yeah, I've been on for I think a year and a half-ish maybe. Um, but similar to Paige, I saw the posts on my Instagram feed and I thought it was really helpful. So I started following them. Um, and then I ended up applying as part of the ambassador program, which is we have people that sort of repost our accounts, help us with outreach, stuff like that. Um, and then from there, I joined the board and it's been so, so important to me. And honestly, the most fulfilling part of my life, because it allows me to help other people with things that no one necessarily knew how to help me with. And it kind of reminds me every day why I'm in recovery. I love that. I I have seen a couple of your ambassadors too. What does it take to become an ambassador? Okay. We have like a Google form and you can like fill it out. And it's like just so we can get to know you. And then like we kind of have like times where it's like we're looking for more ambassadors and stuff. And it's like you just kind of like share our posts and like get involved and kind of just help us to like spread the message about recovery. Okay, so is anybody eligible if they're interested? Yes. There is a Google form process where you have to like sort of still like apply, but there's no like stipulations about who you need to be. Yeah, it's like any type of person, like you don't need to have a certain amount of followers on Instagram or anything. You just need to like be passionate about spreading the message of recovery. Awesome. I will be sure to link that as well in the episode notes. I want to move over to healing your relationship with food. And what do you think is the most important part of having a healthy relationship with food? I think not labeling food because so many times like you see people being like, oh, this is like 
a bad food or I like need to work this off of like after like dinner or something like that it's like you always see people kind of like putting food on like a pedestal of like oh this is like really good and you should only eat this or this is really bad and it's like just food is food it's energy it's something that you need and just taking away the labels just really helps you to kind of understand that like your body needs food regardless and like it doesn't matter if your nutrients is coming from like a salad or a slice of pizza yeah food neutrality is like the most important thing for me in recovery I think like personally I grew up and I was surrounded around a lot of like diet talk and body image talk and like that gets internalized and so when you hear people saying like oh I've been so bad today or oh, like, this is a good food, I can have this, but then I'll have bad foods on the weekend. It's really harmful because we internalize that. And then we think we are good or bad based on what we eat. Um, when really, it's just like, if you like, it, it's good to eat, and it's good to fuel your body. And it doesn't necessarily matter what type of food you're putting in. Right. I definitely think it's been totally normalized to label food and then outwardly, um, like diminish yourself for the things that you're eating in public situations when you have no idea who around you you're affecting. And especially like near children, they are learning from us. And so it's really important mm -hmm. to watch what we are labeling as good and bad. Yeah, it's just so normal for people to be like, oh, I've been so bad today. I'm going to have to cut off on the weekend or stuff like that. But I mean, your kids hear you, pe other people hear you, your friends hear you got to be careful about it. What are some of your favorite strategies and techniques for developing a healthy relationship with food? Ooh, I would say just like kind of like if there was a food that I was like more nervous to eat, like kind of like making myself challenge it or like the food rules because it's like some people like I myself had rules about like the times that I was allowed to eat. So it's kind of like knowing that like if you break those rules, like nothing bad is going to happen. Like it's okay to break those rules. So like there's this one method called five, four, three, two, one, go. And it's pretty much like if you want to eat something and your eating disorder is like telling you no, you just grab it. And then you give yourself like five seconds to like just mentally prepare. And then you just kind of like go for it and just eat. I think for me, the definitely this is a lot easier said than done. But the most important thing for me has just kind of been ignoring what people are saying about what I eat um like I like we discussed above I have ARFID so I'm like a quote-unquote very picky eater um it is a lot more than that but that's kind of what it gets boiled down to um so I don't eat a lot of the like quote-unquote good food that people necessarily talk about but I've had to accept that in order to have a healthy relationship with food there are certain foods that I love and that I'm just going to eat regardless of what other people are going to say about it. I like that. I One thing that I did when I was really struggling with my relationship with food was I would dance it out is what I call it. And I'm not sure where I got this, but I would stand up in the kitchen outside where I was and I would physically dance while eating to distract myself and focus on something else other than eating. Now we're going to talk about recovery. Where does recovery start? Um, this is like a really huge thing for me um, because I think that recovery has to start with a choice and it has to be a choice that you make yourself. Your parents can put you in treatment and your parents can put you in therapy and they can make you eat, but you're not going to recover until you decide that you want to recover. 
it's not a choice that other people can make for you. It's a choice that you have to make for yourself with various reasons that you want to recover and you have to choose it every single day, no matter how loud the eating disorder voice gets. So I would boil it down to that. It just starts with a choice. For me, I think it start for me it initially started with like admitting that my eating disorder like wasn't like as like amazing as I thought it was because I kind of thought of my eating disorder as a friend, which it really isn't. And for me it was like admitting that like it was like an actual problem because it was like I kind of got into this like spot where I was like well, like, everyone else has, like, weird things with food, so, like, why can't I have my own weird thing with food? But it's, like, you have to realize that, like, what you're doing, like, even though it's normalized, like, it might not be the healthiest thing for you, and just kind of, like, admitting that you do need to make changes. What are the different stages of recovery from an eating disorder? I would break it down into, like, I think three stages, maybe four. hopefully three, probably four, but I would say that the beginning is really, really hard. It like feels like it's the hardest thing you're ever going to do. And it might be, um, there's a rough period where it seems impossible because you have to let go of the thing that has been giving you control for so long. I think there becomes a point when you have an eating disorder where you're not sure who you are without it, because this thing has been with you so long, dictating everything that you do. So there's the beginning where you have to realize that this is not a friend, like Paige said. Um, And then there's, you go into kind of like pseudo recovery, um, where you're like, okay, like I, I'm in recovery. It's all okay now, but you're still thinking and engaging in those behaviors. And then there's the, at the end, you just, you're all in recovery and you just accept that this is what need, this is what you have to do if you want to live the life that you want to live. Um, and there's really no other option. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think that's a solid way that I would explain it too. Do you think that a lot of people add their eating disorder to their identity when they are struggling? Yeah, I, I think, I think it's like so easy too, because it's like, when you're like in such like a deep, like disorder like this, it's like all you think about all the time is like when you're eating next, what you're eating, how much you're eating, the numbers. It's like it becomes like just all of your thoughts. And so it's very easy for you to just forget who you are and just to associate with like I know for me personally, it was like I kind of became known in my friend group as like the one that always ate really healthy. And it was like I just identified with it. And it was like I was like, I don't know who I am. Like I don't have a personality. I'm just like the girl that eats healthy. And that also yeah. goes back to being careful what you say around people, no matter how close you are with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I want to talk about navigating triggers and challenges that are faced during recovery. What are some common triggers for individuals recovering? Being around people that have eating disorders can like definitely be triggering because it's such a competitive illness where it's like you're always trying to like be the sickest almost. Like that's your eating disorder talking and saying that like, you need to like be doing more than everyone else and I think that like it can just be very toxic if you're around someone who has like either an eating disorder like disordered eating or is like actively dieting yeah it gets very comparative um and even around people who necessarily don't have eating disorders but 
like people being like oh my gosh you have so much more on your plate than me or, or like just phrases like that when you're comparing your plate to other people's um numbers are a huge trigger I would say like talking about how much you weigh talking about how much you wish you weighed talking about how many calories you've eaten like any discussion of the numbers and all the diet talk stuff we talked about above is definitely like labeling things as good or bad is a huge trigger I'd say and like body comments body comments are definitely a big one and with the numbers I work really hard to make sure that on the podcast no matter what it is even if it's not food related I never share the number even I talked about last week how I have a following limit so I only follow a certain number of people on Instagram I won't even share that number because I think it makes it so easy for people to compare themselves what are some of the biggest challenges that are faced during recovery honestly it's like managing like having a life while also kind of being in recovery because it's like you can't control what other people are going to say or what other people are going to do around you and it's like especially like in high school it's like people are so focused on how they look and like what they're eating and stuff so it's like kind of like realizing that it's like you live this life of like being a teenager or like being whoever you are and navigating other people plus like having to kind of control your brain around what people say and like those responses I would say like kind of bouncing off of that as well as staying motivated in recovery um when things get when things get too stressful your anxiety is really high when you've had this coping skill of your eating disorder for so long your mind bounces back to this is what we need to do again because it's quote-unquote worked in the past um and so it's hard to stay motivated and reminding yourself that even if the eating disorder helped feel like you were more in control of things or feel like it was like a stress mitigator it is not a sustainable coping skill and there are much better ones what would you recommend to help navigate these challenges and maintain progress during recovery for me writing down reasons why I wanted to recover helped me a lot and then also because it was like I would like compare my body to other people and I would always think like oh if I gain weight people won't like me so for me it was like I would write down the names of all of my friends and then I would write down why I'm friends with them. And then I would realize like no one really cares about how I look because it's like you don't pick who you're friends with based off of like their bodies. I agree. Definitely reminding yourself why you do it every single day. When you wake up in the morning, you remind yourself why you're still here. You remind yourself why you chose to recover. And even when things get hard, you kind of go back to that list and just it gives you motivation to keep going. I love that. I definitely think that that's also applicable outside of recovery with almost any goal or challenge that you're facing is to remember why you started. How did you or how do you recommend celebrating small victories during recovery, especially when so many people use food as like a reward in different it's normalized to use food as a reward. For me, I had like a point system and it was kind of like, I'd like get points for like doing certain challenges. And it was like when I would get a certain amount of points, like I could like go like shopping or like I could get a new book or clothes or like, for me, it was like also just like little things like kind of like being trusted to like go out with my friends for longer amounts of time and like kind of like finding things that like your eating disorder took away from you and like 
taking those back and like kind of getting those little aspects of your life back? Mine is definitely like having a support system. So like having some close friends that you can celebrate your small victories with. Um, So instead of rewarding or punishing yourself with food, you can text your friend and be like, and tell them about a victory you've had and they get to celebrate it with you. And you get that like positive affirmation and support, but you don't have the transactional food thoughts. Did you, or do you feel like there's anything, if you become that friend for someone that they're texting their small victories, what can you do as a friend to support them in recovery? Remind them that you're proud of them. Even if they're not proud of themselves, or even if it's to you something small, if they've shared it with you, it's big. And it's something that you should be proud of them for. Um... And just tell them how much you can see that they're trying. I think it's important to not only be like, I'm proud of you, you're doing a good job, but to be like, I recognize and I see how much you're trying and that's amazing and I'm proud of you for it. And like, you should be proud of yourself too. Yeah, I agree with that. Just like hype them up and like also like remind them that like what they're doing isn't easy and that like what they're doing is like very admirable by like choosing to recover even when it feels impossible and like when it feels really hard just like remind them that it's like they are like doing amazing and like that their efforts are going to be worth it did you have any or do you have any self-care practices that you would practice on your own to help support yourself during recovery journaling has been a lifesaver in recovery for me um i bet it sounds kind of weird that it's a connection to self-care and self-compassion but using the journal as like a scrapbook of your life in recovery allows you to remind yourself that like your life is beautiful and people care about you and you yourself are valuable and you can also use it to write down things like affirmations things that you like about yourself that don't have anything to do with how you look and things like that so it kind of serves as an it serves as like a place where you get to express the joy of your life in recovery in addition to reminding yourself that you are still here and valuable and doing it for a reason. I talk about journaling all the time. It's something really important to me too. Um, There's a full episode on it, but it definitely lets you romanticize the small things. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I also, so I'm, like, super into journaling. I, like, have a journal just for recovery stuff where it's, like, I have a ton of, like, recovery-related, like, prompts, and it's, like, I write down wins and, like, all that stuff, and then it's, like, I have one just for, like, general life stuff, and, like, sometimes I, like, read, like, my recovery one and, like, look back on, like, months where it was, like, I wasn't doing as good, and it's, like, just seeing, like, the progress that I've made just, like, over time, like, feels really rewarding. I love that. I love being able to see progress, especially because I'm a very progress motivated person. What are some practical ways to schedule and prioritize showing kindness to yourself and practicing those self care habits? I like set in my calendar, like I always set like 15 to 20 minutes, like at the end of the day, because I'm like a very on the go person where it's like, I love to have a busy schedule. And so it's like, 
making sure that you book out time because it's like I've always been a person where I'm like, oh, I don't have time to do it, so just won't do it. But it's like making sure that it's like you can't like have an excuse like, no, you do have time, like you have to do it. Even like if it's the last thing you want to do because like it's truly going to help your mental health. Yeah, for me, I think that gratitude is really, really important. Not only gratitude for others and what others have done, but appreciating yourself too. And so I do my best to take time at the end of the day before I go to sleep and just tell myself what I'm thankful for, but what I'm thankful for that I did to help myself rather than like something that someone else might have done. But remind yourself that you're still here and that you're doing a good job and that like here are the reasons why I love that and appreciating yourself and being grateful for your grateful for yourself even if you fail or are struggling and am not doing your absolute best are there any things that you think somebody who is struggling or someone who knows someone who's struggling needs to know and just you want to make sure that they know it it's okay to struggle and like it's okay to not feel like the best version of yourself every single day and like good days and bad days happen to literally everyone but it's not about like oh like today was bad it's about what you do with those bad days so it's like yeah your day might have been awful but it's like you're still here and you're still putting effort into your life and sometimes like just waking up is enough and just existing is enough in its own. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a cliche, but healing isn't linear and recovery isn't linear. Um, that doesn't mean that when you do struggle, you should fall into the struggle, but it's okay to struggle. Recovery is not glamorous and there's going to be hard times. Like there just are. Um, but that doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. That means that you're still trying. And I think that's really important to remind those people. Definitely. Do you have any advice on finding your community of people to help you get through things? Honestly, just like kind of like not like really outwardly asking people like their opinions on certain things, but kind of like testing the waters a little bit about certain things and then just like seeing who like who checks up on you when you're a little quiet. Like who's the one who kind of notices like the small things about you and like realizing that it's like those are the people that genuinely care about you and like just finding like who like really has your best interest and just sticking with them it's yeah it's the people who were there when it was bad those are the people that will stick around when you're in recovery and those are the people that should stick around um so sort of building that community of if they were looking out for you when you were in your eating disorder, then they want to support you in your recovery. How did the, how does the Recovered Project provide community online and in person? Our ambassador program, I think, helps so many people just because it's like, I see the impact when I like log on to the Instagram and it's like seeing just like, everyone supporting each other and like people resharing our stuff and it's like all the comments that are saying that stuff helps them like it really builds like this little mini recovery community of people who like 
are all kind of going through the same thing and all have like the same end goal of like full recovery. Yeah, it definitely just serves as a kind of outlet and forum for destigmatizing eating disorders. And I think that it helps people be a little bit more comfortable knowing that there are a lot of other people who struggle with it as well. But that recovery like is possible because there's this whole community of people doing it. Right. Does I know that you have your clubs and chapters program. What are some of the ways that listeners can get involved? You can apply. I'm pretty sure we added it to our website. I don't know for certain if we did. I'm like 99% sure though. We have a clubs and chapters thing and we can like help you get the information showing like our certifications, our qualifications for this. And like, you can go to your school and you can be like, Hey, like I want to do this thing. And we just help you along the way to kind of like create your own little community through your school. What are some other ways other than the clubs and chapters that individual people can do to help the recovered project and just do what they can? Reposting our Instagram posts, telling other people about the project. Um, I think just like spreading awareness that it exists for people who need it. Um, A more very direct way to help the project is we have a link in our bio to our merch. Um, and the funds go to the recovered project and allow us to do different outreach, um, different outreach projects like card making for people in treatment. This past Christmas, we sent, um, over 50 gift packages to people in residential programs. So all of that money from the merch does go towards that. And it's also just really cute merch. Do you have any resources or organizations obviously the Recovered Project, but others that can help individuals struggling? Yeah, Alliance for Eating Disorders is definitely the biggest one. Um, Like Paige said, treatment can be very inaccessible. Only, I think, one in three people with eating disorders ever receive treatment. So Alliance does their best to reduce the impacts of that and offers free support groups, free therapy, um, and things of the like. It's editing Moana. We had a little bit of an issue with the audio, but this week's homework is to make a reasons to recover list or a wide list of why you're doing what you're doing, why you're recovering, reasons to recover, reasons to reach your goals. So be sure to go do that. Thank you guys, Paige and Claire. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to link all their information, all the recovered projects information. The Instagram link will be in the show notes. And Like they said, joining the ambassador program, clubs and chapters, buying the merch are all ways that you can get involved. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this podcast and want to show your support, please leave a rate and review, as well as follow me on all of social media at Adams or at makingwaves.ma. Be sure to follow this show so you never miss another episode. Don't forget to drink your water, and I will talk to you later.